بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا من فضلك علما وتعليما إنك على كل شيء قدير وبعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته All right, everyone's ready for module 12? Just kidding, there's no module 12. Uh, today's class is not really a class at all. It's just a general review. And I'm not exactly sure how to best conduct this. So I thought, well, I had a few thoughts. Uh, but you can't see the slides today because we're having some technical difficulties that will be addressed before our next program begins, inshallah. But you can access the slides from the WhatsApp group. I put them there a few days ago. And these slides are just going over basically what we learned from Module 1 to Module 11, the, the basic points, uh, all of which or some of which will be put in the test. So what I have here, you can see, this is the test. This is the test. And the test consists of, let's see, 71 questions. 71 questions. And it seems intimidating, but a, a number of the questions are really just circling things or check, putting checks or X's to different things. Not multiple choice, but you have to you know, put a check to something that is pure, uh, X to something that is impure, you know, X for something that is incorrect, check for something that's correct. So there's a number of questions like that. Uh, each question is not requiring a paragraph. My very simple answers for most of them. Uh, and after we finish this review session, I'm going to go to the office and I'm going to post the test on the WhatsApp group and then I'm going to email it and have that email sent out through NCCGP, however it gets out. And you'll have time between now and really December 1st, I think, to get it done. And my advice to you would be to try to do it a bit at a time because there's no reason to get it all done at once. It would probably make my life easier if you did it all at once and then sent it to me because that would give me more time to look at the answers. But if I were in your shoes, I would probably take one section or maybe three sections a day because each set of questions is based on the module. So module one is in module two. That's a whole set right there. Now you can't see the slides here that I see, but you have them on the phone. So in the slides, we have... It says what we've learned. And we've done this a few times. After every module or two, we do a bit of review about what we've covered so far, just mapping the territory to see what we started with and where we are. So we, what did we start with when we, stu we studied Fardain? Aqidah, beliefs. And when we studied belief, we actually started with something prior to it. We started with something else before the actual content of belief. What was that thing? 
Right, that big $10 word, epistemology. How do you know what you know? So we learned epistemology, meaning the rational judgments, what is rationally possible, what is rationally impossible, what is rationally necessary. We talked about the role of the human intellect, the aql. We also talked about other kinds of judgments, such as the legal judgment, the al-hukm al-shar'i. So that has, that's the five things, right? Wajib, mustahab, mubah, makruh, and haram. And then we even talked about the empirical judgment, like the judgment from uh, sense data and repetition and experimentation. So the, that's the scientific judgment. So I don't really go into a lot of that in the test, but I do have some basic questions on the rational judgment. Uh, from there, we talked about aqidah. And we talked about what we believe regarding Allah, what we believe regarding the prophets, and what we believe regarding the unseen. And we said that in the science of aqidah, we are studying three things primarily. The ilahiyat, or theology, what we believe regarding our creator. The nubuwat, prophetology, what we believe regarding the prophets and messengers. And, does anyone know the last one? The sam'iyat, sam'iyat from sam'ah, from hearing, meaning the transmitted beliefs. Beliefs that the human intellect has no access to, independent of revelation, wahi. So Qur'an and Sunnah. So that's matters of the unseen. What happens after death? What are the details that we believe regarding death, the barzakh, resurrection, qiyamah, jannah and jahannam, the angels even, right? Those are the sam'iyat. So we covered all three of those. Now in the test, I'm going to ask you to list out those attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we learned about. Now, does anyone remember how many attributes we learned about? Thirteen. Thirteen. Uh, and, and in the books of theology, you sometimes come across seven, sometimes thirteen, and sometimes twenty. And there's no contradiction between them. It's just different ways of presenting it. And it's not an expectation for you to be as a Muslim it's not a condition that you've memorized the whole list. It's something that you already know, but it's discussed in a very structured way. So I'm going to ask you to list out those 13 that we covered. And I'm also going to ask you some questions about the justification, you know, the basis for those beliefs. Now, we had, if you remember, this is going back two years, we had a long discussion about the issue of uh, blind conformity, right? We call that taqlid in matters of aqidah, matters of belief. And we said that there is a big difference between uh, just blindly following what others say regarding Allah and taqlid in matters of law, in matters of fiqh. The big difference between the two. Because taqlid in matters of fiqh is basically the duty of anybody who does not have the level of ijtihad and the ability to uh, extract 
law from the primary sources. Right? You have to follow qualified scholarship, even if you don't understand their detailed reasoning. But in the matter of aqidah, it's not so complex that you can just uh, entrust that matter to someone else and just parrot what they say. You have to have some degree of knowledge yourself. That knowledge is not a difficult thing to attain. And we gave some stories illustrating this. When we were talking about you know, what that means, we said it doesn't mean that you have the ability to speak like a theologian, like a mutakallim. It doesn't mean that you know all of the technical terms in the science of theology and you can repeat them and you can argue with people using them. That's not what it means at all. What it means is that you, you have a basic knowledge in yourself, even if you have a difficult time expressing it. And we gave some stories showing how people in the past who were not theologians, just basic people, expressed the content of Iman in their own words in a very beautiful and sound way. We mentioned the story of, cited by Al-Asma'i, the great poet, where he came across this Bedouin Arab, and he asked this Bedouin, Bima arafta rabbak? How have you come to know your Lord? And the Bedouin said, The camel tracks, the footprints of the camel, indicate that there was a camel. The camel droppings indicate there was a camel. The footsteps of a person indicates there was a person. So, when I look at the creation of the heavens and the earth and the skies and the stars and everything, how, does, how can that not point to one who is latifun khabir, one is all, who is all aware and benevolent? So that is his own way of expressing the primary rational proof, right? What we call in Arabic, dalilul huduth, right? The contingency argument. So all of these things are in the slides. So don't worry that, oh, I don't remember that, or it's rusty. It's okay. These things do get rusty. That's why we review. That's why we've said a few times, it's really good to go over this stuff a couple of times each year. Just go through it. Because once you've studied it, and you've, you know, you've absorbed the actual meanings of what you're reading in the slides, you're reviewing what you already know. It refreshes your memory. And it's good. It's helpful. So you have access to all of the slides. And for those of you wondering where are the slides, because maybe you're not keeping up in the WhatsApp group and there's so many that they've been sent week after week, go to the Masjid website. On the, you go to MCCGP website, you'll find, I think it's on the front page, isn't it? There's a button on the front page for the Fardine class. When you go there, you will find all of the links to the recordings, as well as links to all of the slides. Just go to each of those slides. So when you're at, when you're taking the test and you're in the section of, okay, theology, number two, just go to the theology slides. Look at the questions, look in the slides, and then put in your own words the answers. That's how you take the test. It's an open book test. It's really hard to fail this test because the purpose is not, you know, if, the, if you're going to be teaching this material, then yeah, it would be closed book and it, it would be intense. But it's not for the purpose of teaching, it's for your benefit. So it's your way to review, your way to put it in your own words. And by doing that, you strengthen your knowledge of these things. 
and I just assess that you did an okay job and you get a hundred or whatever. I'm not going to be giving out any zeros, I don't think. So, yeah, so aqidah, right, that's in the slides. Uh, the second thing that we covered, I think it was module two, was the transmission of Islam. Now, we said that the transmission of Islam, module two, it's really a bridge between aqidah and law. Because law concerns what you do and what you say and how you transact with others. It concerns actions. Belief concerns what you hold and believe in your heart. It concerns the heart and the mind. So there's a bridge between these two, right? And that is understanding how Islam is transmitted. Understanding the, how the deen has actually reached us today in 2023. To understand the role of qualified scholarship in preserving and transmitting the deen. And so this is kind of a, a very basic module on really fundamental usul al-fiqh. Usul al-fiqh, at least in the sense of how law works. And this is why the scholars would call the science of aqidah and the science of usul ilm al-aslain, right? The science of the two foundational matters, the foundations of belief and the foundations of law. So that's all about legal judgments and authority, how law is derived. And there's, I think there's only two or three questions in the test concerning that. We come to the main part of the Fard'ain modules, and that's the fiqh. And the reason why we give so much attention to the fiqh is that it concerns our actions, our behaviors, our ritual worship, as well as how we buy and sell, marry and divorce, deal with other people, rights and responsibilities. Those things uh, are con a constant in our life, so we have to know them inside and out. So if I say to you this term, ritual worship, what comes to mind? Is that? So salah, and prior to salah there is wudu or tahara more broadly. So tahara is not just wudu, it's including, well, when you study tahara, what's the first thing you learn? The types of water, right? There, are, there will be questions about the nature of water, right? So you, you have... You have different categories of water, right? Does anyone remember the, the main three categories? Right? Tahir, Mutahir, right? Those are the two main ones. So you have what is pure and purifying, and you have what is pure but not purifying. And then the third one, Najis, right? Impure. So some basic questions about that. So can you make wudu with tea? Why not? Well, it's not impure, but can you make wudu with it? The, the nature has changed. Uh, you, don't, you, you don't call it water anymore. You don't call it water. So, you know, again, the slides will give you all the details you need. And the test is really more like a review than anything else. So we'll have questions about that. Uh, questions about wudu. Basic questions, questions about ghusl, questions about uh, tayammum, right? Can you make wudu with uh, 
a metal pole. Uh, with a metal pole, a light pole. But it's metal. It's from the earth. It's not really from the earth, is it? It is from the earth, but you can't make tayammum with it. It has to be something that could be burned, or something that's of earth, earthen. Like so, you could do it with uh, a kind of rock, right? That's you know from the earth. So these questions will be asked in the test. Pillow. Hmm? Pillow. Depends on how dusty the pillow is, I guess. I, yeah. If it's a super dusty pillow, sure. Yeah. Then it's not tayammum on the with the pillow. It's tayammum with the dust on the pillow. Right. Uh, so that those questions. Uh, and there's a lot of questions like that, but uh, go to this here. Uh, wiping over the socks. Right. That's an important one. We talked about it. Can you wipe over thin business socks? You can't. Can you wipe over boots? If they're past the ankle. But there's some conditions there, right? What are, what are some of the conditions? It can't be open. It has to be water resistant. And then there's a really important condition. Well, we said boots, so it's presumed you can walk. You have to have wudu before you put them on. So, those those kind of questions. Uh, what's that? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm going to be so. If your if your answer is valid in any of the four, I'm going to give it to you. However, some of the questions are very particularly Hanafi, such as the Hanafi Asr time issue, which I think is in the test. So some questions are particularly Hanafi, uh, but I'm not going to penalize anyone if they answer correctly according to any of the four. Uh, yeah. But some of them are very particular to the Hanafi madhab and the terminology used. Um, we talk about Najasa. Right, heavy najasa, heavy impurity and light impurity. And when we say heavy and light, it's been a while since we talked about this. Heavy and light is not referring to the nature of the substance. It's referring to how much of it is on something, right? So that's a question that you can review in the slides. We talk about salat, you know, just basic questions about the salat, the conditions of the prayer. Uh, the times in which it's prohibited to pray, and different questions about uh, what breaks the prayer, what does not break the prayer, what is considered excessive movement, what is disliked in the prayer. And then I give some scenarios. Scenarios where a person, for example, is praying and they get confused. Are they in the third rak'ah or the fourth rak'ah? What do they do? Or they forgot this, they omitted that, or they added something. That all concerns the prostration of forgetfulness. It's quite detailed. You're going to need to consult the slides. And in terms of the most technical of all of the modules, what would you say was the most technical? From all the modules, 1 through 11, which one was the most 
Yes. This is zakat. Zakat is the most technical one. And when I started writing the test, I was a little ambitious. Then I had to, I had to narrow it down a little more. I was going to create a mock zakat chart of, everyone, of a person's assets and all of their money, and just a mock thing, and say, calculate this person's zakat. But I said, no, it's going to take too long. So the zakat question is actually going to be very simple. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but you'll have to review your notes to get the answer. But it won't be super complicated. Because I think we have to recognize that even if you studied the fardain knowledge of zakat, and you know it quite well, when it comes time for you to pay your own zakat, guess what you have to do? You have to review it. Because you've got to make sure you're covering all of your bases and you're not forgetting anything. That's why we said that one of the benefits of learning, or one of the benefits of zakat itself is that in attempting to obey Allah by paying the zakat, we have to get an accurate assessment of the money that we have, the items of value, the assets, and the debt. We have to be aware of what we have and calculate properly. And then we have to give it out in the proper way. So, inshallah, you'll have an easy time with that one. Um, so in the order of the Fardain, we did cover purity, followed by prayer. Actually, before purity and prayer, we did, um, I think we did fasting first, didn't we? Yeah. And that was just because of Ramadan, right? Otherwise, it's Tahara, Salat, Zakat, and then fasting. So fasting, the questions are uh, mainly about three to four major issues. Issue number one, when do you have to have a niyyah to fast the night before? And when is it okay to have the niyyah the day of? Right? There's different types of fast. Some of them require tabyit, uh, where you have the niyyah in your heart to fast the night before. Other fast, it's sufficient for you to make the niyyah before a certain time, right? In, in the day of that fasting. Uh, we have questions like that. We have questions about what breaks the fast. And when we learn about what breaks the fast, the muftirat, we learn that the, there are two categories. There are things that break the fast which require a kafara. And then there are things that break the fast but don't require kafara, but they require simply qada, making up. So there's two different categories there. And this is all on the slides. We then talk about uh, what should a sick person do? What are the guidelines for a sick person? How would they know if they're allowed to break their fast in Ramadan? There are certain conditions. It's not just a, a subjective feeling. There has to be something else to it. Likewise, questions about uh, you know, questions pertaining to women in the issue of the menstrual cycle uh, starting during the fast or ending during the fast or starting in the night or ending in the night. There's four categories there. So those questions are there as well. They're relatively simple, but these are questions we put there. For the Hajj, does anyone want to guess what question is going to be on the test? No questions. Hmm? 
when will it be obligatory? Because we said that <clears throat> it's not actually fardain for you to know how to pay your zakat until you have the money at the nisab. But what you have to know before zakat is when you would have, you know, what is the nisab and how would you determine it? And once you have the money at the nisab level and beyond, in that moment, it becomes far for you to know exactly how to calculate it properly and give it out. Likewise for hajj. It's not obligatory for you to know all of the rights, the manasik of the hajj, until it becomes obligatory on you to make the hajj. So the central question that is far for us to know is when, when would it be obligatory? And I gave you the Hanafi view and the Maliki view because there's different views about that. Some, some look at it as fardun uh, muwasa', something that is expansive. You have some time. And others look at it a little more restrictedly and say, no, there's a cutoff period where if you haven't done it by then with the means, then you would actually be sinful. So either, either answer is fine, right? From the Hanafi school or Maliki school or... You want to give the Shafi answer? You can do that too. That's fine. So after that's all ritual worship. Then we have the mu'amalat, the, the transactions. And the transactions uh, are divided into two categories. The transactions that are financial, and then the interpersonal transactions, such as marriage and divorce and so on. So for the financial stuff, we're not looking at a lot of contemporary issues. We're looking primarily at the, ma- the, the main conditions for a valid sale in Islamic law. The basic conditions. As well as the main muharramat, the main prohibitions in sales. And the main prohibitions, right, really there's two. I mean, there's more than two, but the two main ones. And that is... Of course, the riba, usury, and the gharar, which is basically paying for something of unknown value or quantity or where there's an element of the unknown. So I'll be asking you to provide some examples for those, a couple of examples. And that's pretty much it for the financial. We then talk about marriage and divorce, children, and the rights of others. For the family law stuff, we just want to look at for whom is marriage obligatory? For whom is it haram? For whom is it uh, desirable but not wajib? What are the rights of the husband? What are the rights of the wife? Meaning what's a right, rights exclusive to the husband, exclusive to the wife? What are shared rights between the husband and the wife? And some issues about the contract. Issues about the marriage contract. What can the person stipulate in the contract? What can they not stipulate in the contract? Again, all of this is contained within the slides. And it should be easy. We have some questions about uh, marital discord. Marital discord. And what the steps should be taken if that discord is coming from the husband. And what steps should be taken if it's coming from the wife? And I'll probably ask you for some examples, right? Uh, questions on divorce, right? What's really what's the most fundamental issue regarding divorce? You know, this is one of those things that I end up repeating 
every couple of weeks when I speak to people privately and people have marriage issues, right? And the main thing to know is the difference between al-talaq al-sunni wa al-talaq al-bid'i, right? The, the, the talaq that is done in accordance with the sunnah and the talaq that is going against the sunnah, right? So when we say talaq sunni, it means it's according to sunnah, not that there's some talaq shi'i, shi'i or ibadi or whatever. Uh, and talaq bid'i is means you know, it's not done properly. Now the key thing to remember is that even if the divorce is issued improperly against the guidance of the sunnah, does it still take effect? It still takes effect. So it still has effect. The woman will be considered divorced, even if it was done in an improper way, because it still counts as a divorce. It was just not done in the right sunnah method. So there's questions about that. Um, we have questions about birr waridain, dutifulness to one's parents, uh, and questions about family ties, you know, who are those people, and so on. Um, then after these transactions, we had a module, I think it was, I think it was a module, was it 9 or 10? Halal and Haram, right? Halal and Haram concerns the hands and the ears and the eyes and the tongue, the privates and the feet. So yeah, I'm going to ask a few general questions about some of those issues, and I don't want to specify too much. They're fairly simple, but what I want you to pay attention to is not just the yes and no kinds of questions. Yes, this is halal. No, that is haram. I want you to pay attention to principles. For example, one of the principles we said is that the default concerning things of the world, what is the default concerning them? Mubah, right? Al-aslu fil-ashya' al-ibah. The default concerning things is permissibility. Is that a universal principle? There are, there are some exceptions. What are the two exceptions? There's actually three, but what are the two that we mentioned? Food and intercourse. So, or not food, but yani luhum, uh, flesh, meat. Right? So the default for meat is that it is haram unless it is established that it was, it, the animal was slaughtered in a proper shar'i way. And the default concerning sexual intercourse is that it is haram unless it is through the proper shar'i means, right? So the, the principle is true that the basis, the default is things are permissible, except for al-luhum wal-furuj wal-abda'a. There's a third one I didn't mention because it was kind of obvious, which is people's property. Right? The default regarding people's property is that it's haram for us to transgress. I can't just go up to your car and spray paint it and key it and do all that. Like, I can't do that. Right? The asal is that that's haram. Right? So we didn't mention that, but that's the third of the, of the, of the three exceptions. There's different words they use. Uh, the word I use is abdara. I mean property, items, belongings, right? But that, it also has a double meaning too. 
But just think of property uh, or people's belongings, uh, sexual intercourse, and meat. Those are the three exceptions. Right. So, halal and haram. I'm going to ask you a question here regarding whether a Muslim can eat at McDonald's. And you could answer, well, my question doesn't say a fish fillet, it says meat. So, uh, can Muslims eat from McDonald's on the basis that it is the meat of the people of the book? I don't want you to say yes. I don't want you to say no. You have to say either yes or no and explain your answer and discuss some of the differences about that matter and what has been said. So that's one of the questions where you're going to need to say more than just yes or no. Because I want you, I want you to express your understanding of the variables around that issue, right? And the difference, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, no, don't cite that because you're, you're talking about boycotting, right? Well, see, you could cite that, but we're not, that wouldn't uh, affect the ruling of the meat itself in and of itself, right? That would be a secondary issue, right? Because you could say, yeah, uh, it's, you could say, yeah, it's halal to eat, but you, you shouldn't buy it because we're boycotting it. But that would, it was, you would still be saying, oh, I believe it's halal, or you'd say, no, no it's haram, but Hey, go get a fish fillet, it's fine. Right, so that doesn't really factor into it. That's a secondary thing. I, I did touch on that at the end of that discussion when we talked about the issue of the meat of Ahlul Kitab. I, I gave both sides to that argument. And then at the end, one of the points I made was that it's in the interest of Muslims to not really go down that road, even if they take a more lenient view. Because it's in the interest of Muslims to build up the economy within the Muslim sphere, within their community, by buying halal meat. Also, understanding that these corporations have all sorts of other agendas, and by spending your money with them, you are indirectly funding some of those agendas, whether you know it or not. So, that is another ethical concern that would motivate someone to stay away from it. But that question doesn't actually impact the answer about whether yes or no, you know, that meat is this status or that status. So okay, so that's halal and haram. There's a handful of questions there. Uh, after that module, I think that was module nine, if I'm not correct, if I'm not mistaken, because after that was uh, heart matters, Ihsan. I think that was module 10. So the heart matters, well, why do we even talk about that in Fardain? Why do we even talk about the actions of the heart in Fardain knowledge? Yeah. Because our actions are not just actions with our hands and feet. We have actions of the tongue. We have actions of the eyes. Actions with the ears. We have interactions with others. But our heart also has actions. A'mal. 
We call them a'malul qulub. So some of those actions of the heart are obligatory. Certain states that Allah demands of us to have towards Him. And then there are certain heart conditions that we are forbidden from having and that we have to discover and then try to root out of our hearts. So that is Farda'in knowledge. Uh, Imam Abu al-Hassan al-Shadiri, rahimahullah, he famously said, whoever does not engross himself, doesn't go into detail concerning this knowledge, the knowledge of the heart matters, mata musirran ala al-kaba'ir yash'ur. He will die having persisted in major sins and he'll be totally unaware of it. Because the major sins aren't just things you do with your limbs. There are major sins of the heart. So that's why it's fardain. And there's a lot to say about that. I'm not going to ask you to list out every negative quality and every positive quality. But I will ask in this test certain fundamental questions, foundational questions. Like, how do you do tawbah? How do you properly do tawbah? What are the conditions of a proper tawbah? Because those are things you have to know. You have to really know them because there's never going to be a day in your life where you don't need tawbah. There's never going to be a moment where you can put it to the side and forget about it. So you need to know those conditions and that's why we put it in the test. Um, after that comes a few questions from module 11, the final module. And that module was called uh, miscellaneous obligations because there was no single place to you know, put them in other modules. So we decided to put them all at the end. Most of them were contemporary issues, issues that have arisen in this day and age that we should know about due to the environment we live in. So some of those questions will, uh, are regarding uh, what, what constitutes uh, kufr, what constitutes disbelief, right? Uh, what's the proper definition of ibadah? Uh, what does it mean when we say salvific exclusivity? Right? That was the first uh, class of that module. Uh, the question of evolution. You know, the, the, we said three positions, two of which are valid, Islamically speaking, one of which is invalid. So basic questions from what we covered in, the, in that module. So although the test does look long, it, it, I mean, it has to be simply because we're trying to put proper questions for each module that we covered. But most of the questions are not extremely granular and detailed. Most of them have to do with principles, foundations for each of those modules. And so that's, that's sort of a review. I mean, you, you now know what's going to be on the test. And as I said in the beginning, I wouldn't try to do it all at once. I would, it, I would probably do th three sections each day. And, and then within a few days, you're done, right? And you can consult the slides. All I ask, and I put this in the instructions on the test, I said here, please write your answers on a separate sheet of paper or a Word document. Uh, I prefer Word documents, just easier. Uh, you are allowed to consult the class slides for your answers. Please email your exam answers to 
imam at mccgp.org. The due date for this exam is no later than a day before you schedule your oral exam. I would need to look at your written test before I can do the oral exam. The oral exam is going to take 15 minutes, max. It's only, a, it's only a, eight questions. And there's really nothing inside of the oral questions that you, ha you won't already have done in the written test. They're just worded a little bit differently. There's a few scenarios. It's, I think it's impossible for you to fail it. It's just more of an oral assessment. Um, I thought I put it here, but I didn't. I want to mention this. When you answer the questions, of course you can consult the slides, but try to put it in your own words. Please don't just cut and paste from the slides. That's easy. Put it in your own words. Uh, that's better. If you just list out, I mean, for, if it's a list, it's a list, right? But if it's a question that requires you to explain a little bit, you know, use your own words. You'll be just fine, inshallah ta'ala. So that's really it. Uh, are there, let me just go through. Now in the slides, I, I, I didn't even go through them. Uh, I just put a few basic questions that you'll find in the test. But I kind of went through them. And now at the very end of these slides, uh, I gave the test instructions. I just read out to you. Uh, so the oral exams are open from November 19th to December 1st. So let's say you get the test to me this Sunday on the 18th. Is it the 18th? No, that, oh, 19th is Sunday, yeah. Uh, if, you, if you got the test to me miraculously tonight or during Saturday tomorrow, theoretically, you could schedule an oral test Sunday before the Sierra class or after the Sierra class. But that will be the start for that up until December 1st. So inshallah, send your answers to me and just give me a time when you want to come in. That helps me because I, it, I have to grade your test before you come, so I'll get it done. And the oral test consists of eight questions. As I said, it won't take longer than 15 to 20 minutes or less or less. Now, on the last slide, I wish I had the projector up. On the last slide, if you could take a look at it uh, on your device, there's a flyer. I don't think the flyer's gone out yet, has it? Okay. Uh, this is just a family night flyer. The, fa the family night flyer. No, no, okay. So the family night flyer, the family night will be December 2nd. And the family night for December 2nd is basically the Fard Ain graduation, right? So I, I want to make sure we have all the tests graded, the oral exam, at least the day before that. So we'll have the graduation. And alhamdulillah, this program after Allah's tawfiq was successful because of your dedication your consistency and your hard work showing up week after week after week. And the Prophet ﷺ says, The one who guides others to what is good is like the one who does it. And I mentioned this hadith because when we have family nights and it's a graduation, we're in a way, you know, we're inviting the broader community, many of whom may not have attended all of these sessions or even any of them. 
So by talking about the program, uh, sharing things about the program, we are actually encouraging others in the community as well, whether they start to follow it online at some point or it gets their interest in the issue. It's uh, a way to celebrate this milestone and reflect over the experience. So your input and your experiences are highly valuable. So I, I ask you, I don't say beg you, but I ask you fervently to please consider sharing a few words on family night. Doesn't have to be everyone, because that, be, that would take too much time, but if you get a number of you, many of you, if you can share something on family night uh, about your experience with the Fardain, and you know, do that uh, based on the words of Allah Ta'ala, As for the blessings of your Lord, speak about them. Right? It's an encouragement for others. It's an encouragement for the community. It's a way of expressing shukr, gratitude to Allah Ta'ala for the, the tawfiq and the successful completion of this major thing that we did. Alhamdulillah, you know, people sometimes miss days, but people are catching up. And it, it's been a great success. It's been a great joy to do this as well. And as we mentioned before, you type up Fardain on YouTube, this is the first thing that comes up, right? And I, I still get emails from people as far afield as Australia, India, UK, Germany, other parts of Europe, Canada, other, there's other people participating in this, right? We have people on the live stream. Uh, I, I, would, I would venture a guess that most of them aren't necessarily in our community, right? So may Allah make it a means of benefit for, for all of us. And may Allah give you tawfiq in the test. And uh, just pace yourself. So in the time that remains, I just want to open the floor. If you have any questions, a special degree, you're going to get a, a diploma. You're getting a diploma. Yeah, we can do that. Sure, why not? Uh, it's only 15, 20 minutes, so it's pretty flexible. I think the ideal times for me would be Monday through Friday between 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Monday through Thursday, even up to 11, 11.30 is also fine because I'm, I'm usually always here. Sometimes I have other appointments or we have a sister's class. So it's, I need, we can schedule in that time. That's a good time. Really, any time you want to drop in, that's a good time. Or if you want to schedule it later in the evening, say after Isha or before Isha, Monday through Friday is good. Yeah, we can do it before or after. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning this. I received an email from someone, uh, I believe someone in Australia, and then another one from someone in the UK asking that exact question. So for those of you who are attending this through the live stream and just watching the videos, doing this remotely, 
you will also be able to take the test if you want to. If you want the written test, we're going to, I guess we can post that as well on the site. We can share it in the email. Uh, you'll have the written test, inshallah. Uh, as far as the oral test is concerned, all I ask, you, you, so we have, we have two emails. The first email is ask the imam. People email me personal questions to ask the imam, and they say, please get back to me. I can't get back to you with ask the imam because I don't see the sender. It's a completely anonymous email when a person emails ask, at ask the imam. So people who are emailing there, don't email there. Email at imam at mccgp.org. I'll get your email and I'll be able to respond to you. And if you want to set up uh, an oral test, you can set up something on WhatsApp or whatever. That's fine. Inshallah. On the test, I give the instructions for that. You could just email me. But, you know, you have my WhatsApp. You can also just... You, yeah, you tell me. And I, I'll just... You tell me an ideal time for you. And... 80% chance it's a good time for me as well. Unless, I mean, this is like 3 in the morning or something, but it'll be, yeah, just tell me. Hmm? No, I thought like so much of it. I thought Yeah, I don't, we'd have to set that up, but yeah, it's just, you just message me. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot of you have my phone number. So you could do it. You could text message me, WhatsApp me, or email me. Whatever way you want to do. I'm just, once you give me the time, I can confirm it for you. I put it in my calendar. And, like, I have Dr. I don't have your test. Who was it? Uh, I have uh, Brother Musa Salah. He, he scheduled a test. Some others scheduled a test. I have, like, two or three people who have already scheduled. So, yeah, just schedule whenever.
out of, you know, you could have been through somewhere watching a movies or like chatting to come to the masjid. And so that's a blessing, that's an honor. We, we, we didn't do anything, just we were blessed by Allah bringing us here, bring you here to, to bless us. So that's a Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you and Allah give us the so we inshallah that this began began with the first blessing and we'll end with the blessing inshallah and we're looking for forward to inshallah number two uh, th expand, so. there there is number two in yeah. the pipeline uh not immediately after this but it's coming i i have it i have it all planned out already i just have to build it a little bit more It'll be kind of, you asked about a bachelor, so it'll be your chance. Yeah, why not? It's, yeah, we'll just find a block. I think that Wednesday, whatever Wednesday we have the sisters class, we can do it before or after, and then we'll just get it all done. Yeah. By one by one, Bill, have to be yeah, yeah, it has to be one by one. Yeah, we'll take eight of them, each gets one question, and the test is done in two minutes. Okay. I just have to have your test beforehand. So don't hand me all the tests all at once. Because if you give me all your tests. Mm -hmm. don't, yeah, I, I wouldn't be too worried about the test because I didn't make it so complex it's literally an open book test like i think you'd literally have to try to fail the test you know the, the multiple choice instead of looking at the answer you just draw in the bubbles randomly and just you know i was a kid when i was in high school i was i was kind of naughty one year and i took a test like that and i just went you know they would feed it through the machines the multiple choice and i got an 86 or something I was surprised. Teacher was too. <laughs> All right. So any any other questions? Anything you want to bring up? And if not, then I'm going to go to the office and I'm going to send out the test. So now the clock is ticking. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika shalom la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik.